नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद भागवतम कंटो टू चैप्टर वन टेक्स्ट ट्रांसलेशन एंड What is the value of a prolonged life which is wasted, inexperienced by years in this world? Better a moment of full consciousness because that gives one a start. In searching after his supreme interest, purport. Srila Sukadev Goswami instructed Maharaj Parikshit about the importance of the chanting of the holy name of the Lord by every progressive gentleman, in order to encourage the king who had only who had only seven remaining days of life. Srila Sukadev Goswami asserted that there is no use in living hundreds of years without any knowledge of the problems of life. Better to live for a moment with full consciousness of the supreme interest to be fulfilled. The supreme interest of life is eternal, with full knowledge and bliss. Those who are bewildered by the external features of the material world and are engaged in the animal propensities of the eat, drink, and be merry type of life are simply wasting their lives, lives by the unseen passing away of valuable years. We should know. In perfect consciousness, that human life is bestowed upon the conditioned soul to achieve spiritual success, and the easiest possible procedure to attain this end is to chant the holy name of the Lord. In the previous verse, we have discussed this point to a certain extent, and we may further be enlightened on the different types of offences committed under the feet of the holy name. Shrila Jiva Goswami Prabhu. Has quoted many passages from authentic scriptures and has ably supported the statements in the matter of offences at the feet of the holy name. From Vishnu Yamala Tantra, Sri Lajiva Goswami has proven that one can be liberated from the effects of all sins simply by chanting the holy name of the Lord. Quoting from the Markandeya Purana, Sri Goswamiji says that one should neither blaspheme the devotee of the Lord nor indulge in hearing others who are engaged in belittling a devotee of the Lord. A devotee should try to restrict the vilifier by cutting out his tongue, and being unable to do so, one should commit suicide rather than hear the blaspheming of the devotee of the Lord. The conclusion is that one should neither hear nor allow vilification of a devotee of the Lord. As far as distinguishing the holy name, the Lord's holy name from the names of demigods, the revealed scriptures disclose Bhagavad Gita, chapter 10, text 41, that all extraordinarily powerful beings are but parts and parcels of the supreme energetic Lord Krishna. Except for the Lord Himself, everyone is subordinate. No one is independent of the Lord, since no one is more powerful than or equal to the energy of the supreme Lord. No one's name can be as powerful as that of the Lord. 
By chanting the Lord's holy name, one can derive all the stipulated energies synchronized from all sources. Therefore, one should not equalize the supreme holy name of the Lord with any other name. Brahma, Shiva, or any other powerful God can never be equal to the supreme Lord Vishnu. The powerful holy name of the Lord can certainly deliver one from sinful effects, but one who desires to utilize this transcendental potency of the holy name of the Lord in one's sinister activities is the most degraded person in the world. Such persons are never excused by the Lord or by any agent of the Lord. One should, therefore, utilize one's life in glorifying the Lord by all means without any offense. Such activity of life, even for a moment, is never to be compared to a prolonged life of ignorance like the lives of the tree and other living entities who may live for thousands of years without prosecuting spiritual advancement. King Pramatasya Bahubi Parokshair Hayanairiha Barang Muhurtam Viditang Ghatate Shriyasayataha. What is the value of a prolonged life which is wasted, inexperienced by years in this world? Better a moment of full consciousness because that gives one a start in searching after his supreme interest. Very important lesson is being given here. One moment of clear consciousness is more valuable than having a long life of unclear consciousness. Clear consciousness, uh, as Srila Prabhupada uh, mentions here, the supreme interest of life is eternal with full knowledge and bliss. One moment of insight into that is better than a whole life which is spent. Uh, as most people spend their life uh, simply progressing from birth to death, simply moving in time and preparing to enter their next body. They make no spiritual progress whatsoever. So better to have a moment of full consciousness because this one gives one a start in searching after his supreme interest. So one, if, if one can have one moment of thinking, what is the actual goal of life, and be very serious to understand that, that will give a start in giving proper direction to one's life. Otherwise one can live for a long time. Uh, there's much interest uh, in the Western world, in particular it seems, in how to prolong your life by taking antioxidants and things like that. But what's, what's the point? of If your life is completely useless, if, if you multiply zero by 90 years instead of 60 years, it's six, 60 years of uselessness, is, there's no particular value in extending it for another 30 years of uselessness. If one is simply living ahara nidra bhayamaitunam cha to eat, sleep, mate and defend as the animals do, then there's no particular point in having a very long life. Uh, one simply has to take an animal body in the next life. Sometimes people are surprised because they think reincarnation means 
that you have to have a human body. No, most likely one will get an animal body if one does not utilize the human life for its proper purpose, which is to seek self-realization. Who am I? What is the purpose of life? Who is God? What is my relationship with God? If we don't utilize human life for this, then we're simply living like an animal, and the result is that we will get the body of an animal. So uh, better a moment of, one moment of full consciousness. That doesn't mean that one has at one moment of thinking, what's the purpose of life? And then the next moment you go back just to eating, sleeping, mating, and defending like an animal. Because if one has full consciousness or the realization that human life is meant for more than eating, sleeping, mating, defending, we may say, well, I do more than that. I, uh, I, I'm interested in art and music and poetry. But... This is all on the uh, mundane platform. It has nothing to do with the Atma, the soul, who we are. So better a moment of full consciousness, because if one has full consciousness that I need to reorient my life so that I don't get born again and suffer again and again, then that one moment of full consciousness means that all other moments after that will be taken up by the search for that which will be our ultimate interest. Uh, ultimate interest means Shriya Uttamam. This is the uh, term used in Shastra. Tasmad Gurum Prapadyaita Jignyasu Shriya Uttamam. Which means Tasmad, which means uh, thereafter. So this verse comes... Uh, just after a series of verses which has, has described that one should be aware that everything in this world is of no particular value. It just leads us to be born again and again and die again and again and suffer again and again. And even if we go to the heavenly planets by performing pious activities, we, we suffer there in a more sophisticated way, that's all. So having understood this, therefore one should approach a guru and inquire about the ulti our ultimate benefit. So having if one can understand this, that human life is meant for inquiring into our ultimate benefit, then we can begin to actually live as a human instead of being a two-legged animal who is interested in simply eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Ahara nidra bhaya maithunam cha samanam etat pashubhya naranam as this is pointed out in the Hitopadesh, beneficial instructions, that humans and animals both eat and sleep and copulate and are fearful and fight, but human life is meant for more than this. So this term, full consciousness, intense, focused consciousness, complete understanding. This is a term uh, that Srila Prabhupada often uh, uses. It's a very important term because uh, this movement is called Krishna consciousness. Full consciousness ultimately means Krishna consciousness because Krishna is everything. Krishna is the point to know Krishna to serve Krishna, to love Krishna. That is the ultimate point. That is what consciousness is meant for. And as long as our consciousness is turned away from Krishna, 
then it's turned toward all things which prolong our miserable condition in this material world. So here in this verse is mentioned to have full consciousness of the our real need of uh, to seek out what is the highest benefit, and the highest benefit is to attain Krishna consciousness. And Srila Prabhupada uses this term, full consciousness, uh, several times in his translations of uh, various important verses. Uh, for instance, in uh, Bhagavad Gita, uh, there's the uh, well-known verse, that uh, Bhuktaram Yagya Tapasam Sarva Lokamaheshwaram Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatvamang Shantim Richati. So Srila Prabhupada translates this, uh, or gives the translation, a person in full consciousness, that same term, full consciousness of me. This is translation of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is the speaker of Bhagavad Gita. So a person in full consciousness of Krishna, of me, Krishna says, knowing me to be the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifice and austerities, the supreme lord of all planets and demigods, and the benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities, attains peace from the pangs of material miseries. So we can see the link here. This verse, which I, I read at the beginning here, that's spoken by Shukadev Goswami, he says, first of all, one should have full consciousness of the, to search out the need of life, and when, and then one to, to full consciousness of the need to become free from our position in this material world, and then one has to come to, what is that full consciousness? Full consciousness of Krishna. Uh, knowing Krishna to be the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifices and austerities sounds, might sound, when we hear this, we think, well, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> one has to learn what this means. Uh, many of you present here are what we may say are pious Indians. In this life you are born in, into a pious Hindu family. That means you have some natural attraction to Krishna. But we should also try to understand who is Krishna. Krishna is uh, the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifices and austerities. In simple language that means everything we do, all our pious activities, they should be for the pleasure of Krishna. So uh, this is all discovered. The point is, I'm, I'm making here full consciousness, in full consciousness of Krishna. It means not only on Sunday evenings consciousness of Krishna and not even on Sunday evenings uh, come to the temple and Krishna is there very nice and my friends are there and we're, but fully focused on Krishna at all times intense Krishna consciousness. Again, uh, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, Maya Saktamanaf Partha Yogam Yunjan Vadashvaya Asangshayang Samagrang Maang Yatha Gnyasasi Tachchunu. So, uh, translation of this. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, Now hear, O son of Prita, that means Arjuna, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness, full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, 
you can know me in full, free from doubt. So, uh, this point of full consciousness. Full means fully focused on Krishna with full attention and then with full under proper understanding of Krishna. Of course, uh, in this Krishna consciousness movement, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, we do talk a lot about Krishna. But we're not the only people talking about Krishna. There are many people talking about Krishna, uh, but not everyone gives the same understanding of Krishna. Some people, there is a theory which has been cooked up by uh, modern anthropologists uh, that long time ago, a long, long time ago, as all fairy tales begin, uh, there was, yeah, they present Krishna as some fairy tale. A long, long time ago, there was a tribal god called Krishna, and then uh, the Aryans came and they mixed it up with the Vedic description of Vishnu, and they described Krishna, but there's no love for Krishna. They just think Krishna is some tribal god. Or there are others who may speak of Krishna, uh, and they may be spiritualists or whatever, but they're ultimate, they think that Krishna represents some ineffable, impersonal, uh, well, what do you say? There's nothing to say about it because it's all impersonal. So, some supreme effulgence, but uh, we, try, we here are trying to understand Krishna as he presents himself in Bhagavad Gita as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and full oh, here this verse I just quoted you can know me in full full consciousness of Krishna means to know Krishna as he presents himself in Bhagavad Gita to know him in full free from doubt so you may have so many doubts you may think that uh, well some people say Krishna is immoral or he never existed <sighs> Oh, he's some uh, tribal god. Or, there are so many theories about Krishna, but to understand Krishna as he is, we should try to understand Krishna as he presents himself, as he presented himself to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. Therefore, this edition of Bhagavad Gita, the song of God, Krishna's instruction to Arjuna, is entitled Bhagavad Gita as it is. The very title suggests that there are many editions of Bhagavad Gita which are presented, but not in the way that Krishna presented the Bhagavad Gita. What he taught to Arjuna, some people may take it and say, well, Krishna said this, but actually we should understand it like that. But the specialty of this edition of Bhagavad Gita is that what Krishna says the commentator, Srila Prabhupada, has illuminated that instead of interpreted that according to his own understanding. Can you follow the difference? To, to explain, to try to understand what Krishna says and to illuminate that. And rather than, oh, Krishna said that. Oh, I th yes, it must mean that. There's a, a complete difference in approach. And even to illuminate what Krishna says, how is one to know properly? Then one has to 
hear from those who know properly. There is a disciplic succession of those who coming for thousands of years, those who present what Krishna says without personal interpretation. And the uh, evidence that this is the same, that the same message is coming through here that Krishna spoke to Arjuna without any diversion, the evidence is that the teachings of Krishna, the ultimate teachings which are there in Bhagavad Gita, Manmana Bhavamad Bhakto Madhyaji Mangnamaskaro, Krishna's ultimate teachings, which are to always think of him, become his devotee, worship him, bow down to him. The effect of those who accept Bhagavad Gita fully as it is, they do that, they do what Krishna says, and they get the result. There's being in full Krishna consciousness, this verse I just read, one becomes, attains peace from the pangs of material miseries. It is observable that uh, those who adopt this process of Krishna consciousness, full consciousness of Krishna, then uh, they attain peace from the pangs of material miseries. Uh, another verse in which, uh, from Bhagavad Gita again, in which Srila Prabhupada uses the term full consciousness, uh, Sadi Bhutadi Daivang Mam, Sadi Yagyang Chayevid Viduhu, Prayana Kale Picha Mam, Tividu Yukta Chaitasaha. Those in full consciousness of me, who know me, the Supreme Lord, to be the governing principle of the material manifestation of the demigods and of all methods of sacrifice, can understand and know me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even at the time of death. So there's a lot packed in in that one verse. And if we just read it, you might not catch everything that's being said there. But the point I'm just emphasizing here is, again, full consciousness. In the Sanskrit, the, the words which Krishna actually spoke, the words are yukta chetasaha. Yukta, this has the same meaning as yoga. Uh, yoga is commonly understood in the English language to mean a set of exercises, but it actually means to be joined. So, yukta chetasaha. Chetasaha means consciousness. So, one whose consciousness is fully joined with Krishna, or is fully absorbed in Krishna, Srila Prabhupada has translated this as full consciousness. So, one who is in full consciousness of Krishna, again, who know me, Krishna is presenting himself. Here I am. I am that person who is known in English nowadays. Of course, there was no English language at that time when Krishna spoke this 5,000 years ago. And there's still Sanskrit, uh, which is sometimes said to be a dead language, although there are still plenty of people who speak Sanskrit, but it's been promoted as being a dead language. I don't know how anyone can imagine it's a dead language. Uh, but... The word God in English is uh, a vague concept. I just about two or three days ago, I came across John Lennon's definition of the word God. He said, God is a concept by which we measure our pain, whatever that means. But anyway, God presents himself in the Bhagavad Gita as uh, 
the Supreme Lord, the governing principle of the material manifestation of the demigods, of the processes of sacrifice. Uh, and in this Srimad Bhagavatam, which I read from, that it is, uh, gives in great detail what is described within here as Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam, which means, Vigyan means specialized knowledge or deep knowledge of Bhagavat Tattva or the, the, the category, the, the, the subject of God, what it means to be God. So, full consciousness, one who is in full consciousness understanding Krishna, uh, some training will be required for that, to understand him as the, the underlying principle of the material manifestation. In other words, what holds everything together? Is it gravity? Well, at one level maybe. But what, 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 what is it that makes everything stay together and how we interact with each other? What is the underlying principle of everything? That is Krishna, uh, the Supreme Person. It's a person behind everything. It's not just some cosmic happening. It just happens to be here. But there's uh, the consciousness. Krishna means the Supreme Person, the Supreme Consciousness. And our full consciousness is to be yukta chetasa, our consciousness absorbed in Krishna, which doesn't mean that we become Krishna, but we are fully conscious of him, who he is, and our relationship with him. So we can get free from birth and death by knowing this. And then the whole next chapter of Bhagavad, this verse comes at the end of the seventh chapter, uh, and then the whole, the most of the eighth chapter is uh, describing how one can become in consciousness of Krishna such that one can remember Krishna at the time of death. There's a lot of discussion about death in Bhagavad Gita because the most important thing we have to do in this life is to know how to die properly because the consciousness at the time of death that uh, makes our future lives. So, uh, again in, in Bhagavad Gita, uh, another well-known verse, Bhaktya Mama Vijanati Yavan Yas Chasmi Srila Prabhupada's translation one can understand me again this is Krishna speaking one can understand me as I am as the supreme personality of Godhead only by devotional service and when one is in full consciousness of me by such devotion he can enter into the kingdom of God so one can understand me Krishna says uh, by devotional service, by bhakti, by bhakti yoga, the yoga of uh, full consciousness, loving consciousness of Krishna. Full consciousness of Krishna means uh, first there may be some theoretical knowledge of him as the supreme person and full consciousness develops in full love of Krishna. Uh, bhakti yoga means the yoga of loving devotional service. So uh, Krishna, the very name means all attractive. And when one is fully attracted to Krishna, then one cannot but be in full consciousness of Krishna. Uh, this is called, uh, or, or, 
Krishna consciousness, and to attain that one is recommended to practice the consciousness of Krishna in an intense way. It's an intense process to get free from the material consciousness of I, me and mine, which binds us in this material world, the very strong consciousness of identifying myself as part of this material world, to get free from that requires uh, in, an, an intense endeavor. It's not going to happen by some happy-go-lucky, uh, well, just let's just love everyone and be nice to everyone. Well, that's better than being nasty to everyone. But uh, simply some uh, superfluous and superficial approach is not going to free us from these very strong bonds of illusion which tie us in this material world. So, tivra, tivra bhakti. Tivra means focused, intense. Tivrena bhakti yogena yajita purusham param. We should perform this devotional, loving devotional service with great intensity. That means with full consciousness uh, to perform any activity even materially even if for instance we're uh, we're uh, trying to develop a business we have to be in full consciousness absorbed focused otherwise it doesn't work it doesn't happen so full consciousness or intense consciousness uh, is required <clears throat> otherwise uh, if our pra- as much as we put into it, that much we get out. If we're half-hearted, unfocused, our, then our consciousness remains clouded with uh, egoism and thinking in terms of my own benefit, in terms of how I can make my body comfortable, how I can get money, how I can be well-known and popular and liked and be free from my... And basically, the illusion of trying to be happy considering my present situation in my present body which is just born and dies it's just a blip in eternity and giving so much importance to this tiny blip of time this present body I have not understanding that I'm getting body after body after body and in each body I'm simply suffering an illusion repeated birth and death let me be in let me cultivate that consciousness, that full consciousness of knowing that I, by nature, am an eternal spiritual being, an eternal part and parcel, an eternal servant of Krishna. So cultivation of this full consciousness is required. Otherwise, our consciousness will be, even if we're chanting Hare Krishna, uh, but without that intense endeavor our consciousness is going to be clouded by all different kinds of thoughts and misconceptions and attachments and we won't get that full consciousness of Krishna. We'll remain hovering on the material platform. Uh, There's another uh, verse in Gita which gives the idea of full consciousness or clear consciousness jnanena tutadagyanam yesham nashitam atmanaha tesham aditya vajjanam prakashyati tatparam it's a very uh, 
good example that our position at present we're in darkness is as if we're in darkness we can't see clearly who we are who is krishna where we, what we're doing in this world we're in the darkness of ignorance due to our consciousness of thinking that i am part of this material world so the example is given that just like the sun rising dispels all darkness if we live in a big city like dallas we may not have much experience of this because there are neon lights everywhere at night but if we go way out in the country especially in a mountainous area where the neon refraction from the cities doesn't come and uh, not at now it's uh, full moon tonight but if we go at in the new at the time of the new moon especially if it's a cloudy night uh in the night it's so dark you can hardly see and you can't see your finger in front of your face whereas on the full moon night you might even be able to read a book by the moonlight uh but you still can't see nearly as clearly as when the from that complete darkness then when the sun rises you can see everything you can bring a flashlight and look here and there but you still can only see a little bit you can't see fully and even what you see you might not be sure you might there might be some rope on the pathway and you see, with the flashlight at night you look and you say oh it's a snake uh but when the sun comes up you see everything clearly tesham aditya vajjanam prakashayati tatparam so in the same way when the sunlight of krishna consciousness arises we can see everything very clearly and we can understand that everything in this world uh is temporary so i should not be attached to it i should be attached to that which is eternal who is krishna my relationship with krishna uh and cultivate this this consciousness has to be cultivated we're talking about krishna consciousness god consciousness full consciousness spiritual consciousness it's a consciousness to be cultivated in this purport to this verse shri prabhupada is discussing the chanting of the holy names which clears the consciousness the first effect of chanting the holy there are many many beneficial effects of chanting the holy names and we're not talking about uh, lowering blood pressure or any such thing it might be that by chanting the holy names of krishna that one's stress level comes down and blood pressure comes down but it may it might be one could do some uh, scientific study of this but <clears throat> uh chaitanya mahaprabhu's given the spiritual effects that the first effect of chanting the holy names is chaito darpana marjanam the heart or the consciousness which is compared to a mirror it it becomes uh cleansed all the dirty things in the heart that means lust greed anger envy illusion pride all this becomes cleared gradually by chanting the holy names of krishna ah so, so this chanting helps us to uh cleanse the consciousness uh hearing about krishna understanding krishna understanding bhagavad gita as it is and chanting the holy names of krishna this will clean the consciousness from the contamination 
of thinking that I am part of this material world. I'm meant to enjoy in this material world. So this is a very uh, uh, helpful process in the best possible way to hear about Krishna, to chant his holy names and to cultivate full consciousness. Of course, it's easier said than attained. It's not that everyone can become a perfect yogi just in a moment. Sometimes we hear about gurus who give what is called uh, shakti part. They, just by looking at someone, they infuse them with some spiritual uh, realization. There may be such a thing, but it's not common process. The, the uh, general process is that first, one should be aware of the need of spiritual realization. As mentioned here, one should be in a, even a moment of full consciousness that, oh, I need to direct my life in such a way that I don't remain uh, simply wandering from one body to another, punarapi jananam, punarapi maranam. I have to stop this. I have to do something about it. And then uh, take up the process of Krishna consciousness, purification of consciousness, and always endeavoring sincerely with intensity, tivrena bhakti yogena, to uh, increase consciousness of Krishna, to fully understand Krishna. Mm. I'll just read the translation. There's so much about this. These books, this Srimad Bhagavatam, this is, this is one of 18 volumes. So it's not a light subject. But it's, this will help us so much. There's so much substantial spiritual knowledge in every page of these books. So very much recommended to study this. I'll just read uh, two verses which are the translations which are relevant to this topic uh, from the uh, third chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam uh, relating to full con coming from the position of being in illusory consciousness or being in maya to full consciousness of Krishna. This is the topic here. So the translation. Whenever a person realizes by self-realization that both the gross and subtle bodies have nothing to do with the pure self, at that time he sees himself as well as the Lord. If the illusory energy subsides and the living entity becomes fully enriched with knowledge by the grace of the Lord, then he becomes at once enlightened with self-realization and thus becomes situated in his own glory. So there's, in every word, there's, there's so much packed in there. So uh, please, you can uh, study these books in your spare time. Make some time to read these books and contemplate this subject matter. It is uh, very, very powerful spiritual knowledge which is uh, so helpful for us in all these books so that we can develop full consciousness of the goal of life and how to attain it, full consciousness of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead and our relationship with him. Thank you very much for listening so nicely.
It's not such a uh, not such an easy topic. It's not like watching a cartoon on TV, which I don't recommend, which is a total waste of time. But uh, it doesn't require any mental effort. But discussing this philosophy, it requires mental effort. But this is not just philosophy, just, well, someone's ideal, but it's, it pertains to our actual situation in this world and how to improve it in the best possible way. So thank you again for listening. And if there are any questions about this, uh, kindly ask now. Do we have a... And, yeah, and if you'd like to ask anything, uh, please raise your hand and then the, uh, yeah, the cordless mic will reach you. Can everyone hear? Hmm. You hear me now? I can hear you, but I doubt if everyone else can. Yeah. I heard what you said. Yeah. Certainly is, isn't it? <laughs> so how does that detrimental to The fault finding propensity. That means to look for faults in others simply to put them down and indirectly boost oneself up. That is from the platform of false egoism. There is another kind of fault finding which is required that means distinguishing what is proper from what is improper. Knowing what is, should be done and what should not be done. And uh, one may point that out to others for their benefit also. So to look for faults in others simply to, uh, from the platform of ego, to hurt them or to put them down, that is not at all saintly. That's just the opposite of saintliness. But if one is... Uh, distinguishing between what should be done and what should not be done and for one's own benefit and for the benefit of others, that might appear to persons who are not aware, are not very aware of the motive of the person, that might appear to be similar to mundane fault-finding, but it's actually very, very different. It's required to know what is proper and what is improper. And if we can point that if we can help others by pointing that out, that's the that's the best help we can give to them. So there's a difference. Yeah, anything else? Yes please. There's a question here. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. So if we look at the fault how do we rectify how do we rectify any fault? We've said aparad, which means an offense. Well, faults, we're, we're accustomed to that. We're habituated to that. We, we, 
But if we accept, the, if we sincerely accept the process of self-realization of Krishna consciousness, then just by that very endeavor, we become absolved from faults. That doesn't mean that we should go on being faulty, because if we are sincerely practicing the process of self-purification, then we should be getting better. But in the meantime, as, as long as we're not fully perfect and we're making mistakes, um, the, the very endeavor to overcome them is the rectification. It's something like a, a child in the beginning doesn't know what is right and what is wrong and is gradually is trained in that and a child is excused from making mistakes because he's a child. But then later, after some age, he's, he's expected to not remain childish. So, uh, if we're in the process of purification, then that in itself is uh, purifying. Uh, but we can't take that as an excuse that I, oh, I'm, now I'm chanting Hare Krishna so I can do anything wrong. That means we're not serious or sincere. We become more faulty if we make such an excuse. There's a question there, please give the mic there. Uh, in the general sense of the term consciousness, uh, as we use it generally, it means awareness of something that means you are Yeah, yeah. Con conscious, the general meaning is awareness. Yeah. So, like, for example, I know I am aware that there are deities behind the curtain. Mm. So, does full consciousness, does that mean just knowing and... Full awareness of Krishna means to be aware that he is the Supreme Lord and I am his servant. But it's, the awareness means that if we are aware that I am the servant of Krishna, that means not just to, to be aware of it, but to act as the servant. If, we're not, if we don't actually act as the servant of Krishna, that means we are not really aware of it, are we? <laughs> it's, not, it's not just theoretical knowledge, but it's to be acted on also. What is the symptom of a person who is in full consciousness? Full consciousness means full consciousness of Krishna. Symptoms of such a person is that he always acts in the service of Krishna always speaks, in the, everything is dedicated to Krishna. That's it. Life is, life is fully absorbed in Krishna. No, actually, this verse says, one full consciousness of the goal of life and that one moment of that is better than many years spent wasted without knowing the purpose of life. Yeah. No, but the, this, this verse which I first read is full, it says one moment of full consciousness of the purpose of life. And then the, the idea is that one should pursue that and develop that and become Krishna conscious, which means to be fully conscious all the time. The aim is not to be f 
to be Krishna conscious for one moment and then forget it. If one's actually Krishna conscious for one moment, then he'll never want to do anything else anyway. He'll never forget that. So there's a, diff- there's a difference. I read many verses about being fully conscious, fully Krishna conscious. But what's said in this verse from Bhagavatam is actually the beginning of Shukadeva's teachings to Parikshit. It says that there should be at least a moment of full consciousness of the purpose of life so that one can get started in the right direction rather than a long life with no clear consciousness of how it should be lived. Mm. Then, that's it.